In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's a very sad day. The big man, JC Tret, has been cut by the Browns. I'm on the inside now, talking to the Tretters family, trying to get the inside. But Ian, how are you, buddy? I'm good, Paul. I'm good. Uh, obviously, some some mainstay names and the Browns have have gone now. First Jarvis Landry, now JC Treader. It's it's going to be a new look Browns team on the field there in 2022. What says you, Jack? It just always felt like it was going to come. Um, I know it was sort of it was that secondary range of cuts of it makes sense to cut him, but. If you're going all in, he is a really, really good player. It's, it was a tougher cut than sort of Landry at 16 million, Keenum at 7.1. Uh, it was one that it's a genuinely great player. And they, I think they just have a stud behind him. I think it's going to be one of those where it, it's a less valuable position, but take it back a couple of years to Colquitt. When people said, hey, I don't want to get rid of Colquitt. He is top five punter in the league, I think it was. Um, what people were saying at that point after that season. And I said, no, you get rid of him. At the end of the day, you've got a guy that's looked pretty good behind him. And Jamie Gillen turned out to have a top five punting season um, in that first year. So it's one where it makes sense. And in terms of sequencing contracts, going into year three of Nick Harris, if you want to keep Nick Harris around, you need to decide that at the end of this season. Um, because if not, he goes into free agency and he gets a load of money. Hang on, guys. It's a bit of breaking news, actually, just coming through. Mary Kay has just tweeted, Jack Duffin says Nick Harris is a stud. And it's trending. That that I will say, Jack, your, your labeling of Nick Harris as stud is interesting. Now, remember, Nick Harris, he's young. He's 23 could years old. He could, could be. be. He, he, he did serviceably well in his one game against Green Bay. And to somebody I forget who pointed out, so I'm sorry not to give you credit, but Nick Harris has taken – a majority of the snaps in practice with the first teams, because obviously Treader, when you're a veteran, you just don't do that kind of stuff. Um, but the thing about Harris is I think he, they quickly realized that he was not suited at all for guard, just based on the size. So Jack, I think you were the first to mention it within our group is once the Browns gave the big money to Betonio and Treader, or I'm sorry, Betonio and Teller, it, it was going to be hard to keep, JC at the number. He's been an absolute workhorse and rock star. You know, I see he's already putting out the things on Twitter, thanking everybody. So I think this is one of those ones where I'm sure Andrew Barry and the boys are doing good business, going to JC and saying, Look, if this is what our plans are, what do you want us to do? Jarvis requested his release. The reports were out yesterday that the Browns wanted to keep him for a, on a, a reworked, so to say, a redone one year deal. Jarvis said no. Same thing with Treader. Maybe they said, hey, this is what our plan is. And he said, you know what? I'd rather you just cut me and send me out there. So good business all around. Paul, what do you got? Got the inside from the Treader family. It was all about the money. Isn't it always? Breaking the news in London. Like Jack did yesterday, but we're going to go on about that in a minute. But um, 
That's what we do. We're ahead of the time, as people say. So, well, and if ever, and everybody remembers, the pick that we got Nick Harris with was the pick that we got from the Colts, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Jack? I think well, that was the Colts pick. But it's like, look at the situation Nick Harris is going into. He has got a future Hall of Fame guard to his left. He has got a legitimate stud right guard to his right. That is probably the greatest position any young center has ever walked into in the league. And I mean, certainly I can't think of, you can't put together really many better situations than that. You don't get Hall of Fame guards. Maybe if Quinton Nelson, I don't know what their right guard situation, a young player could go into that. But you could not have him in a, better safer position if we were talking about moving Batonio out to left tackle becomes a, a dangerous thing and you probably keep Tretter if you're keeping him inside makes so much sense we can find out this year and if he's good hey we'll give him like six million a year and it because if we find out he's really good next year and we're going into the 20 um 24 off season then well you've got to pay him like 10 something million so this move not just saves money now if he turns out to be good you could get him for six million rather than say 10 12 million so um big big win there as well i've got the details so the nick harris pick was when we dropped back from 42 41 to 44 we took grant delpit the colts came up and got jonathan taylor so pretty good pick for them the colts jonathan taylor went at 41 the brand browns got 44 grant Delpit, and then we picked up Nick Harris in the fifth round at 160. So there's in essence what you did to get Nick Harris. Also, I must say, I just read through the JC Treader note to Cleveland. Very well written. Definitely one of my favorites. Smart guy. Uh, but he specifically says in here, finally, to my friend Joel Batonio, you are the heart of the Cleveland Browns. It has been my pleasure to play next to you for five years, and I look forward to the day you are put in the ring of honor with the other Browns greats. So specific shout out to Joel Batonio in the thank you. That just, I think, goes to show you how close knit that offensive line really was. Yeah, got some more info from the Tretter dad. Definitely a sad couple of days. We knew this was happening Sunday, but are disappointed they waited this long. They tried to find a trade partner for him. So that's so he, that letter was written. I mean, it's only Tuesday. So they, they wanted to get out there a little, uh, Jack, has any center been signed? I don't think one center has been signed in free agency. I think there's Ted Karras, who's a guard slash center. Um, but yeah, the, the, I don't think there's much really going on in the center market. So he, he, yeah. can, he can choose any team he wants. Really. All right. Just on over the cap right now in free agency, not a single center has changed teams in there. If you click on free agents and centers, not a single center has changed teams just for the record. So there's here's not a been question. one. Here's, a, here's an honest question for you. Would you prefer to extend Teller or Tretter? Teller. Yeah. Just because of age, it's Teller. Because Tretter, you would have kept for this last year and then you would have allowed him to go. There was never really a route to extend him again. The fact that he can't practice, that sort of stuff can impact. Obviously, it doesn't matter that the two guards right next to him are so good that they can just rock it on game day with something else. But all of that practice repetition does, does factor. Um, so there is other sort of advantages to having a center that can practice and play. 
Yeah, and just to recap, I think by releasing J.C. Treader, the Browns will carry $1.625 million of dead cap uh, dead money, and they will pick up $8.235 million in cap savings. So you're adding eight point two to the cap. Jack, I stole your thunder there. But uh, Jack, a little bit on MJ Stewart. I know you and I were you and I were bantering about that. You know, this was a guy serviceable moving in. Browns kind of picked him up off the scrap heap as a reclamation former second round pick that was cut. Comes here, plays pretty well. He just signed a one year, three million dollar deal with the uh, the Texans, which shocked me during the value. But you made a great point, so might as well put it out there to yeah. to the audiences. It's something that hey, we, we were chatting about it during our sort of safety um, show back earlier in the offseason, it's all about playing time. There is zero reason for him to come back here on a three million deal that's effectively going to be a sort of a semi-prove it to go and sort of go cash in and become a, a fully-fledged center or slot in the NFL. What, and be like the fifth, sixth defensive back behind like Troy Hill? Um, th- there's no real route, whereas he's probably got a friendly relationship maybe with Tavarius Thomas, Xavier Thomas. They played together Ooh. a year ago. He's now gone and seen that he was a, just a special teams guy in Cleveland, gone to the Texans, become a full-fledged starter, and actually had a really, really good year. And he's probably looked at that. Maybe he's got a friendly connection and said, hey, I, I, I can go do that. And it just makes so much sense for him to go and cash in. So uh, all, all, everything trended that way. Um, and he's gone. It was one of those, you hear people, they, they sit there and they go, oh, Clowney, definitely coming back. MJ Stewart, definitely coming back. And it's like, well, you've got to put the player's hat on as well. Because you can sit there and go, it makes sense for the Browns to have Clowney back. Yeah. Well, the player is going to want 15 million. Well, no, it doesn't make sense for Clowney's back. MJ Stewart, yeah, we can pay 3 million. Yeah, but it's not about 3 million. It's about 3 million and playing. Um, it's one where if you go and offer him 5 million, potentially he goes, yeah, I'll, I'll go do that. But you're not paying 5 million of your sixth DB. Um, it just never made, there was no real route to him coming back. Yeah. And, and that's a great point because when you talk about Grant Delpit and the role that he plans to evolve and stuff like that, you, the Browns always know this about the Browns. When you have smart people, like Paul D. Podesta leading the charge. And listen, I'm going to, I'm going to remove the Haslam's from this because at the end of the day, they've got so much going on with the Haslam sports group with the crew and all that other stuff. I, I highly doubt Jimmy and D are involved in the day-to-day workings. My, with my, my initial thoughts would be Paul D. Podesta is the tip of the sword. And then you have guys like Andrew Barry and uh, his team and Stefanski and those guys, they look at it and say, okay, Probably somewhere around mid last year, Barry and company are sitting there going, all right, if MJ walks and Grant evolves here, we're going to fill this role here. All of this stuff is thought out a year, two years in advance to where they're going to go. I mean, you heard Questy talking about Andrew Barry sending him text messages about what the 2026 draft, because what they're doing is, is they're building a, a, they don't have players names but they have the roles and the ideas. So if they're saying, all right, we're going to go out and get Marcus May, for example, and I'm just using a name to make it make more, a little bit more sense. Say you're going to go get Marcus May and you got John Johnson. You say, all right, these are my two guys here. I'm going to have this role for that. Grant Delpit's going to move into the MJ Stewart role. I've got my corners where I need them. Those are the six DBs. These are the roles I envision. I'm going to allocate X dollars here. That's how all that works. These guys are building puzzles that don't necessarily have players' names on them, but the picture is still there. That's that's what you have to remember is when they let J.C. Treader go, it's because two years ago they planted the seed for Nick Harris. 
Yeah, and it's like when they won't just if say they add Marcus May, they don't just add Marcus May, throw his hat in the ring and go, oh, nice. They're going right, Marcus May. In a year's time, we can pay one safety. So we've got John Johnson, where there's an out in his contract, or Marcus May plays really well, we pay him. The same thing with like um, OJ Howard and Injoku. They sign OJ Howard, that deal on the table for Injoku might come a little bit further back. And then suddenly it's like, hey, we'll see which one plays best this year. All of these sort of moves have knock-on consequences. So as, as soon as Nick Harris was drafted, it, it, it could have been last year Tretter was gone. Th- these sort of things just move around and lots of moving pieces. But judge them on their actions, not what they say in interviews. Yeah. And Paul, if your point about they kind of determined it on Saturday or on Sunday, you're likely meaning that Barry and Treader and them had the conversation on Sunday. Treader's agent probably said, hey, can you dump us now? The Browns said, let us see what we can do. And then they let him go before any center signed. So again, you're getting information straight from the uh, the Treader camp that comes one, comes only from the one and the only Mr. Paul Brown, who was kind enough to join us today. Don't make out that I only come on special occasions. Come on, guys. Well, did you hear that? I would love J- to join you more. Jack gave you the shout out for the Zane Gonzalez contract. We're a little disappointed we didn't have that Greg Joseph news. I actually got it on Saturday. Breaking news, I can say Greg Joseph is staying at my house at the moment. So he's he's here for a week um, in my spare room. And he did tell me that on Friday. But as always, I do keep things quite confidential when I'm speaking to NFL players. Are you guys doing any bird hunting or anything? Uh, he's brought his girlfriend. Oh, I meant ornithology, Paul. You know, like going out and seeing, you know, the different quails and buzzards of London. No, I was thinking about the uh, Brazilians and uh, Russian short miniskirt birds, actually. But um, interestingly, I may get a bit of kicking practice. Oh, you're rigging the bet. Did you t- you got to tell Greg that you have a bet with uh, with me to go to see who can kick one further. I was I was hitting a couple balls. Uh, this past week, we were doing a little traveling, just so you know, Paul, I, I was with a nice effortless leg. I was still getting about 40, 45. So I, I can still get out there. If I, if I can tighten up my spiral a little bit, I maybe can get 150. And that's minus the 11 for the line of scrimmage. So 50-yard punts, the ball going 61 yards for the record. While we're talking about special teams, sorry, Jack, I know you, you've probably got a huge piece about cap space you want to discuss, but Scottish Hammer is actually in Cleveland at the moment practicing. Just saying, take what you want from that. He's in Cleveland, practice punting. Anyway, sorry, Jack. The trade this morning, we've not got to it yet. The Browns added Chase Winovich, edge defender. None of this nonsense. Yes, boom. Pulls on fire. It's all just just snacked. Yeah, apparently he's chopped something off, which if he has, we'll just cut him. Um, But Mac Wilson was sent the other way. And obviously, listeners of the show knew Mac Wilson was not going to make it to the 53 um, in camp um, because, hey, we spoke about it. He got the pay rise due to proven performance escalator. Rather than the one million base salary, it was going to be two and a half. That guy was on the chopping block. And what Andrew Berry's done is found another team where they've got a guy that potentially can move around, um, Chase Winovich, that... For their playoff game, he was a healthy scratch. So had a really promising 2020 and then just who knows what went wrong in 2021. But it's a guy where they're going, oh, he's not going to make our 53. 
could we do something? And this is an idea. It's a win-win both ways um, because it wasn't going either side. Get a guy that he could make it. Some people are saying he's going to be edge three. I think that's unlikely. He is going to be a edge four, five, battling for a roster spot. He's no lock to make the roster, but he has a significantly higher chance of making the roster than Mac Wilson. So a really, really good move by Andrew Berry. Question. You PFA lovers will like this question. Who rated higher on PFA last year out of the two players? Oh, Mac Wilson. Mac Wilson had a really, really good PFF grade last oh, year. Really? Who had more snaps? Because Winovich was averaging more snaps before his uh, for his, before his injury, I believe. But to your to your point, I I'm not as high on Winovich. I think that this is a guy that Paul. Do you remember Carl Nassip? Great guy. I knew he came out as gay, but I still think he's a great guy. Not that if he was gay or wasn't gay, he's not a good gay. Good guy. Just Chase Winovich is like a poor man's version of Carl Nassib. He is a yeah, high no. energy, high motor guy. He see Nassib didn't have a ton of skills in terms of his pass rush ability, right? He was just kind of a guy that was a high energy and effort. Winovich is like that type of player, which is why he's not very reliable. And I'm sure with the new England, it's like, I think a couple of years ago, he had like five and a half sacks. And then this past year he battled some injuries, but in terms of Mac Wilson, what's odd is Mac Wilson's fate was sealed here in Cleveland, his rookie year, because he had to play so many snaps. It was funny. We were talking about the PPE, which is a performance in uh, escalator, not a mask or gloves. So what happened was is Mac Wilson accumulated so many snaps as a rookie that in the final year of his contract, he was given the escalator, which pushed his contract from where Winovich is at. Cause somebody asked a great question. Uh, I think it was Jeff Lloyd who said, how is it Winovich was taken in the third round and only makes 960,000 and Mac Wilson, who was taken two rounds later in the same draft is now at 2.8 million. And that's because the Patriots didn't need Chase Winovich as much as the Browns needed Mac Wilson. So Mac Wilson at $2.8 million was just never going to happen as Jack and we have been saying now for quite some time. Yeah. So the threshold for a single season is 60% of snaps. And in his first season, Mac Wilson played 88.2% of snaps. And um, for that reason, Hey, we, we, we could have been on the podcast that year and I could have told you that he's either going to be starting or he's going to be gone. And um, unfortunately, it's the latter because this is the first year where you went, that that's the guy. If you had 2020 Mac Wilson for four years, you have a genuinely great player who is fantastic on special teams. That That's a dream for that pick. I think what it is with Mac Wilson, and I'm actually pretty optimistic. I think New England is a great spot for him because it, we've said it how many times? I know, Paul, you've heard us say it. New England says, this is your specific role. So there may be a chance that we talked a little bit about Jawan Bentley. If the Patriots are acknowledging that he's going, that means that there's a Mike linebacker spot in New England open. So if Belichick and the defensive staff comes and says, hey, Mac Wilson, this is your specific job. And he goes in, and does that job specifically well. You could be looking at a couple of years from now. Mac Wilson is a seven to 10 year NFL player who's just been, I know I'm, I'm seeing the same thing you are, Jack, which we'll talk about here in a second. That's why I put my hand up before, but we'll finish on Mac Wilson. It's one of those things where Mac Wilson is growing. He's evolving. You know, he's made some boneheaded plays. I know in the past and he's missed some tackles and stuff, but I think the Patriots will end up getting the better long-term player uh, because I think Winovich comes in the camp, like you mentioned, as an edge five, 
and possibly could make the roster, possibly not. We'll see. It's really going to depend. But, uh, Jack, we have a little breaking news on edges that does not involve the Browns. Uh, we have a U-turn. A yes. Andy Gregory now going to Denver so and telling the Cowboys it fell, it fell apart. So begin. always remember when we talk about free agent signings, nothing is official until 4 o'clock tomorrow. So the MJ Stewart's and all this other stuff. The Mauri Cooper trade. There you go. Nothing is official until four o'clock tomorrow. Cause what we're talking about is Randy Gregory has told the Cowboys. He is not going to sign their deal, which was originally reported. The dollars were out. He is now going to Denver potentially. Yeah. Who knows? He could change again. And um, they've obviously been really, really keen to get um, Chandler Jones signed. Um, and they obviously haven't got it done. So that's going to be a really, really interesting thing to follow because I expected Chandler Jones to be the first domino. Von Miller, not as much. And then I expect to see a rush on edge rushers. You're then going to see the second wave of edge rushers because we'll see those first couple go. I'm keeping an eye on Jerry Hughes. Um, that That's maybe even the third wave there. The slightly older guys on the cheaper deal. Um, the second wave is your Barnett's, your Gregory's, your, those sort of guys who will get the multi-years. But that's really, really interesting to note. Probably means we're going to see some stuff move on Chandler Jones pretty quick because I'm guessing they've found out they're not getting Chandler Jones. See, <laughs> the Gregory numbers are gone. We'll give you two million more coming. Or potentially, I mean, Denver has the money. Any chance they say we're getting Jones and Randy I Gregory? I can't see it with the uh, Russell Wilson deal. Hmm. that's true. I forgot about Russell Wilson, but yeah, the NFL is moving and shaking. Uh, a lot of things are going down. I mean, I think this is the most money I've ever seen the Steelers spend in the first two days of free agency, bringing in the, uh, the versatile offensive lineman, James Daniels from the bears. Not sure how that one's going to play out. I know that there's some bears fans out there that have lost a few nights of sleep regarding, uh, James Daniels and his inability to be a pulling guard, but you know, for the most part, the Steelers run his own blocking scheme. So it may actually work a little bit better for him. Um, but in terms of teams that have signed free agents, we've got to do our other free agent before we get onto that stuff. I was going to say, we're, we're going to talk about the Browns free agent signing. We talking about our guy. Our guy. My do you guy. Want to spike, do you want to spike the football? So just to give everybody a little behind the scenes on how this goes down. So in our defensive tackle preview show, I started putting together a list early February, which I started actually that list probably in January. And then I send it off and we talked to, I went back and listened to the show. We talked about a couple of guys, bigger targets we want. So I mentioned a guy and then Jack, Jack does this thing where Jack fully goes down the RAS athleticism, stuff like that. So one of the guys I mentioned, you know, I just knew him as a first round pick high upside pass rushing type of guy, Jack plugs him into his little athletic calculator machine. And then all of a sudden he starts falling in love with him. So during pre-shows and stuff, we're mentioning the guys and one guy's name continued to come up. I liked him for different reasons than Jack did because Jack was looking at all the RAS stuff. I was looking at it because we needed somebody that can pass rush from the inside. And we kind of just landed on this mutual free agent, which Jack went on the record with the stone cold Paul Brown podcast, lead pipe locked. Paul, I know you should have seen Paul's face. It just lit up here. Paul, Jack said if he had a hundred pounds slash dollars, depending on what the conversion rate is, on one free agent that was guaranteed to sign with the Browns. This was our last show. That had be, been before. That, that, so yeah, that was changing teams. He would put it on Taven Bryan. The first free agent the Browns signed. And I said, it's not even close. I said, yes, there's not even another player in the same stratosphere as Taven Bryan being a lock to the Browns. Yes. And the first free agent the Browns signed was 
Taven Bryant. So the way we're looking at it is I went and bought the football. I handed it to Jack and Jack is just going to absolutely spike the shit out of this thing. So Jack, Jack you put any money on it or not? It's not something you, you can bet on. Yeah, unfortunately. you can bet that 10 to one odds. And I would have been like, Hey, you, you can have like 250 quid. I'd have put 250 quid on it without even blinking. Yeah. And, and like I said, Paul, it's for the different reasons, because I looked at it as this was a guy, I remember him coming out of the draft in 2018. He was actually in the Baker Mayfield Denzel Ward draft and won a couple picks before Lamar Jackson. And if you remember right, the Browns just needed defensive tackle help going into that draft. He was a guy that we had those two first round picks right at the beginning of the second round. One, we ended up taking with Austin Corbett at the 33rd and then Nick Chubb at 35. So Taven Bryan was a guy that I just liked because he was this quick motored athletic guy. Then Jack does a little the, the deep dive on him with, we'll call it the guardrail translations. And it's just all these lights start going off. Jack in 10 seconds, just tell us again, how you actually worked that out. Young athletic, former first round pick D line. That's it. And you were dead. certain it's going to happen. Yeah. It, well, if there was a player that I was betting money on, he would have been it. So there was no guarantee because he could go to any team. But the same way, hey, if you sat there like Chandler Jones, Clowney, I felt better about Taven Bryan than Clowney. And it, that wasn't even close. Um, felt better on him than MJ Stewart. Everything just lined up of young, athletic, former first round pick, D-line. Those are the guys. What we've had, Claiborne, Tack McKinley, Clowney. That's three dudes that fit that mold that they've signed in two years. Obviously, Claiborne isn't young, but they fit all the rest. Chad yeah, Thomas. If you- Chad Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Athletic beast. And if you just if you remember, very, right, thank God. <laughs> so Brian was taken in that 2018 draft. I mean, you're talking the, the Browns 2019 defensive tackles. You had Ellie Anku, Larry Ogunjobi, and Sheldon Richardson, and Justin Zimmer. So you just had uh, this big void of you know, missing talent. And if you remember right, if I'm not mistaken, you're talking the Sashi Brown years, you're talking about Andrew Barry would have fully scouted this guy. He's a, you know, potential first round pick. Um, Trevon Coley, Carl Davis. These were Billy, uh, Brian Price. These were all the guys that were in the 2018. So we didn't have good D tackles four years ago. So Barry's probably kept his eye on him. If I'm not mistaken, his first two years in the league, he was a lot more productive. And then he's kind of fallen off, much like the Jaguars roster overall. So this is a guy that's just looking for a new start. You know, the recap is it's a one-year deal, which is kind of the injury very special. $5 million right now is the, the total comp. We don't know the details. My theory is he's not relevant enough in terms of like the grand scale for Aaron Wilson or any of those guys to post out the full details. But overall, I think it's a pretty darn good signing. Is he your D-tackle one? No. He's likely your D tackle pass rush guy. I'll be starting three tech. Yeah, he he'll be the guy in an obvious run situations. I I don't think you'll be. I don't think he'll be in there for those. So when you talk about like a two down player and stuff like that, I think he's a guy. You're talking about a guy that's you know six five two ninety, athletic, strong hands. Very his athleticism translates more to his upper body. So if you ever watch tape on him, I remember watching him at Florida. He's just very quick to move people with his hands, but he's not a stout against the run guy. So when he has to drop his hips and sink, he's, he's going to get bullied a little bit because he tries to be too quick. So a good offensive lineman can move him from his spot. 
But in the sense of you've got scrambling quarterbacks and all that other stuff, this is a guy that can move around. I mean, you'll go back. I think Jake Burns posted some highlights of him chasing down Deshaun Watson or Josh Allen and a few of these guys. So, you know, this is a guy I think adds the element of pass rush. So when you go to those three ends uh, with one D tackle for quote unquote, your NASCAR package, I think that's the role that you're going to envision for him. Yeah, And it's one that we do things very differently here than lots of other Brown sites, reporters, podcasts, and hey, they, they do lots of different stuff, a hell of a lot better than we do. But one thing we were pretty solid on was they're not going to spend 10 million on a pass, a uh, run stuff in defensive tackle. I think they'll go get one, which would be a move over from them. Um, they've got as close as Billings, but they haven't gone like full fat man. They might go spend 1 million on one. They're not spending 10 million on somebody. And um, yeah, lots of people were shocked and it's going, oh, we, why are all these big defensive tackle names coming off the board and we're not moving? It's just not our, it's not the MO of this front office. It's all about the pass. Um, and then they get a guy that's about the pass, upside, younger, cheaper. If they're spending 10 million on a free agent, it's going to be an edge. It's going to be a DB or it's going to be on the offense. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, the market right now for the top four guys, Harrison Phillips is a little under this, but everyone else is at 10 million and it's 10 million for that. And I think the Browns are saying that's just too rich for our blood. So I'd be curious who this second tier of D tackles are. I think DJ Jones, uh, BJ Hill State where he is, DJ Jones is going to Denver, you know, so there's just a few guys out there that I think the Browns probably were in the market for, probably kicked the can on to see, you know, what was going to go on. And they just re- come to the realization. I mean, Fadu Kasi got 10 million. Didn't I think Fadu Kasi and DJ Jones got the same deal? I think it was three years, 30 million with 20 million guaranteed. Uh, so that's just something to look at. So if you're looking for free agents for the Browns at that D tackle position, if the number starts with a 10 at the beginning, probably too rich. I would say they're probably looking maybe in that six range would be my guess because it didn't sound like they were even at the final negotiating table with some of these guys. And I, I just don't think we, we're going to get that high on any of them. I think you're looking at the cheaper guys and they'll see what shakes out. But anything else to add, I want to keep it short and sweet because, hey, we'll, we'll drop multiple podcasts rather than hour and a half long ones where me and Ian go down the rabbit hole. All right. That's why I don't oh. jump on them. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, we talked about Landry leaving. We, I mean, we talked a little bit about, I mean, I think this was a cut that everybody in the Browns world saw coming the Browns wanted him for a one-year deal he wasn't going to do the one-year deal I'd be curious to see what he gets in the market of course by the way you know it's going to happen right Jack because the minute he signs with Buffalo or Kansas City Browns fans Browns fans are going to come back and say this is why we need to draft more cornerbacks because look how many good receivers the Chiefs have and it's like or Jarvis Landry's value will increase directly with the team that he signs with and especially if it's a good team that's my prediction are we going to talk about Mitch Trubisky or not on this podcast? I mean, we, we can call. I mean, the Steelers went out, signed $14 million. That, I think that's a good, I think that's a good shot. I mean, he's making less than Baker. All right. Well, there's something to think about for the next podcast. Hey, Mitch Trubisky. I'm going to put this to the forum. So by the way, the guy who I think the Browns may target, I still like him. I've mentioned his name in terms of your run stuffing DN six foot three, 309 pounds from NC state. That's my guy, Justin Jones. He's the guy I think he's going to be that second tier D tackle. So don't be surprised if you see uh, my man, uh, 20, 27 Savage, I believe is his Twitter handle, Justin Jones. He's a guy that I think the Browns may have an eye on. Here, I'm going to put this out to the group. Do you want to cover Deshaun Watson? It's the talk of the town. I don't want to get too much into it. I think he's coming to the Browns. That's all I'm going to say. 
Um, oh, I, my God. I think Mary Cage just tweeted. Jack's gone crazy. He's saying that Watson's coming to the Browns. I think there's two situations on the table at the moment. He comes to the Browns because it's the better team. Or he goes to Carolina because they're going to pay him potentially five million a year more. And this isn't. There was a report that came out this morning. I was tweeting it yesterday. The way he's going to go to Carolina, and people are like, "Well, what's Carolina going to offer him? More money? They can change his contract and put more money into it." And I think that's potentially the two things you're going to look at. Of he goes to Carolina, and they maybe it's five million a year extra, or they fully guarantee it. Versus. Um, he comes to Cleveland because it's the better team in the right direction. Baker won't be in that trade, which is good for the Browns because they're then going to trade Baker probably for, I reckon, two seconds, but his market might go down a bit when everyone knows he's got to go unless we can get some sort of bidding war going. But that is the better move for us because we'll get more assets giving Baker to somebody else than giving him to the Texans. You don't think Atlanta has any shot given the fact that he's got a lifelong relationship with the owner? So Atlanta restructured um, Matt Ryan's contract um, less than a week ago. Mm -hmm. That absolutely screws them. They they can't move on from him. Um, If they've got like forty five million dead, I think it is, if they uh, trade him this year. So I guess the question would be why they're meeting with him. I'll say this: they plan to keep Matt Ryan and Watson on the 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 thing until post uh, June first. Or, and listen, I'm, I'll, I'll, I've stood on my soapbox enough for this. I have no interest in Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. I think that the crimes that he was not indicted on a grand jury, I'm not even going down that road. I think what he is alleged to do to me is unforgivable. I don't want him anywhere near my team. I don't want him representing my team. I hope he goes anywhere but the Browns. In saying that, the job of the GM is to make the team better. I am not on board in any sense of the word. They may know he's already suspended for the 2022 season because as much as people don't want to say this, he's going to get suspended. He was not suspended by the league. There's, I can't, the NFL, for all the commercials they run about domestic violence and everything, I understand that he was not brought up on criminal charges because of a grand jury, which if you really need to know more about that, DM me. I'll explain to you the difference between civil and criminal. But Ezekiel Elliott got suspended for pulling a woman's top down. I mean, this what he's alleged to have done is not low is not is it's significantly worse than what career hunt so you can't even draw comparisons there he could be suspended at least half the season 10 games if that's the case in your atlanta and the league saying listen whoever's going to trade from this guy likely can get 10 to an entire season then it might make a little bit more sense for atlanta yeah, so I'd expect it to be a six-game suspension. Um, it's sort of where the league always tends to end out with these things. Do I want him because he's a The league has never like, had a... Not really. The, the, the league's never had one this severe. Yeah, I mean, but I just... I don't think they really care, if I'm going to be well, honest. But the problem is, is in the world we live in now with PR... Right. You have to take into account that and everybody hanging their hat on the criminal side of it. I mean, 95 percent of these cases, these type of cases never go criminal because it's a he said, she said. But he can't deny it. The, the messages are out there. That's all been put forth. The league would look and now. Remember, it was six games with a 16 game. So it may go up to eight games. They may have to adjust for that 17th game. 
it's a hard question. It's a hard thing to say. You just gave Calvin Ridley a year for violating the gambling policy, right? Which is laid out there specifically saying, if you do this, this is what happens. But there was no malice intent and, and all that other stuff. I just think the league, the league would have a serious black eye if they decide that this guy is going to get some two, four, six game suspension. I think if the suspension's looming, I think it's off at eight games and goes up to a full season. I think it ranges anywhere from eight games to a full season. I think, and I, I don't want to get into all this, but the reason why the Ridley suspension, I think is very different than the um, pending Watson suspension is because the Ridley suspension, that's not something you take to law courts to then go and deal with. Whereas... Because it was legal. There, there is a responsibility for the NFL to place that because of um, ethics and people wanting and it's it, they are the legal body responsible for almost checking that whereas they will argue that the legal body for representing that is the civil and criminal courts and that's their responsibility for doing that so i think i don't think the two are quite the same um is he a scumbag do i want him on the roster no if you take out the whole all of that and there was nothing on the table i would be banging the table but he would never be available hard. For, no, because he was on the market pre um, these things coming out. I think Houston was aware of things going on before because, Jack, they signed him to the contract extension and the whole Bill O'Brien thing. One of the reasons I think he wanted out was because Bill O'Brien got rid of DeAndre Hopkins. The, and he's like, wait a minute. Ownership issues as well. Well, I think it mainly was the GM slash coach that was Bill O'Brien that was a laughing stock of the league because. If you brought in a respectable GM, which they did in Nick Casario, and you bring in respectable coaches, and I'm not sure, you know, Lovey Smith, and that's who's down there, I think, right? Lovey Smith. I'm not sure that these guys are some like whirlwind things, but the only reason I think he's available is because of this situation. There, there was no why, why would you s- out because I forget what the owner said, but it was something that was pretty horrendous. Um, in terms of racism. Um, he made a I, comment about inmates running the asylum a couple of years ago, but that that's, that's a when common it all kicked off. That that was the that's moment. a that's a common phrase that I think runs within the social media. I understand that you can add a context to that, but I mean many people use that that saying, especially people that are, you know, of the older generation. It's a very commonly used phrase. I I don't think that warranted enough to where I mean, I know there was a lot out there that Deshaun Watson really only wanted to play for a black head coach. And I know there was a lot of like specifically pointed things that were going on. But again, if he didn't have this thing hanging over his head, I think the price would be probably even higher. And by the way, the Ravens have jumped into free agency, signing Marcus Williams to a five-year deal worth $70 million. Wow. There's your safety market getting set. Big market shifting deal in the AFC North as reported by Jeremy Fowler. And again, these are all alleged, but yeah, my whole thing, that was kind of my own Reds thing with Nick Castellanos. It's a home run to left. Um, I just, you can't touch this guy with a 10 foot pole. I just don't know how you could do it. I really don't. I just, I don't think teams care. Um, That's not a, that's not a good thing. That's just where I'm at. They're, They're looking at wins. Does, Adding Deshaun Watson get you close to Super Bowl, yes. Is right. adding Deshaun Watson a horrendous thing that I wouldn't want my team to do? Yes. Both Paul, can be true. You're going to break it here. You're, you're going to go gladiator Joaquin Phoenix with a thumbs up or the thumbs down. 
regardless of the, the packages and all that other stuff, the trading collateral and all that stuff. Obviously, we know the situation that he's put himself in. Quarterback of your Cleveland Browns, thumbs up or thumbs down? Watson's Paul gives the thumbs up. Watson's the better quarterback. Played well, he's a better quarterback than Baker, but I still think that this is a guy in his last starting season in the NFL went 4-12 and 12 with a pretty decent roster. So I think there's people out there saying he's not even arguably, or he is without discussion, a top five quarterback in the league. I would, I would debate that. I would say, I don't know if he's a top five, he's a top, top five 10, fan. Top he's a top, maybe a top five fantasy, top six fantasy quarterback. Top I don't eight think he's lot. a top. I would say set the bar at that. And I, I think he's a top eight. So you're the top quarter of the league. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say top, I'll give top 10. I'll, I'll push it up a little bit. But so. that's it. We'll be back All if right. more news comes out. Yep. As always, go Browns. Go Browns. The next podcast may be recorded in Ukraine. Go Browns. <laughs> <laughs>